1: An easy-to-use interface, look no further than MyBookie.ag. Payouts in only two business days, the best customer service out there, the best odds, and even live betting. Go take a look for yourself at MyBookie.ag, and once you figure out that it's the best, sign up with promo code WCE50 for a 50% deposit bonus. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code WCE50.
2: I'm Gary Seegers. Catch me on Twitter at garywce I'm Chris Giannini, follow me at Giannini. And this is the Winning Cures Everything podcast from winningcureseverything.com. Before we get started, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and review it. We cannot stress how important those reviews are for iTunes rankings, so help us out.
1: Those of us who love this sport live for nights like this.
2: You are looking live at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. Can you believe it? It's
1: football for 40 years 40,
0: 40 years
1: oh my god. oh my oh no
0: this is winning cures everything now for your hosts gary and chris what up what up what up what up
2: podcast number 185 it is thursday january the 11th gary's holiday gary's birthday edition of the show I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. Happy birthday, buddy. Thank you, my friend. It's been a uh, wonderful week. I couldn't have gotten a better early birthday present than the dagger from Tua Tonga-Vailoa to Devonta Smith, Devontae, Devonta. I don't even know how to say it because the kid's a true freshman, but we're going to have him at least two more years, and I'm in with that. And maybe maybe three more years, because he's a little short thing, man. <laughs> no, short, short guys go to the league. <laughs> now you got that right. You got that right. All right, so on today's show, we are going to talk about the uh, the national championship game, the recap. We're going to talk about Steve Insminger and his hire as the offensive coordinator at LSU. You are an LSU fan, so we uh, we are going to discuss what that means for Coach Orgeron, along with Dave Aranda's gigantic, you know, ten million dollars over four year contract, all that mess. What it means for the LSU program, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're going to talk about NFL divisional games. We will recap the wild card weekend just a little bit and give some previews and maybe some predictions. Sound pretty good? Yep. All right, so let's jump right into the national championship game, the last college football game that we will talk about uh, from the 2017 season. Alabama beats Georgia 26 to 23 in overtime on a walk off 41 yard touchdown pass from Tua Tongo Vailoa, The true freshman from Hawaii. This is what I've been screaming about. I was screaming about it at the end of last season about Jalen Hurts and missing opportunities against great defenses, right? You have to be able to take advantage when an opportunity presents itself. When a team has eight in the box and your quarterback cannot convert, whether it's on third down or just anything, just period. If you cannot move the football and you are getting off the field really early, Your defense cannot hold up. No defense on the planet can hold up if you're running 24 plays to the other team's 47. If they're running two times as many plays as you are, no team... When time of possession gets like that, it is impossible to stop. You saw it at the end of the first half in this game. Jalen could not keep the Alabama offense on the field. And the whole game changed because Georgia was able to run the football and drive it down the field... And pounded in the end zone, right? They come out of halftime, everything changed. Everything changed. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is not a good quarterback. Obviously, I mean, he's 26 and 2 as a starter. You can't disagree with those numbers. His passes are inaccurate, his reads are slow, he's not willing to take risks. And against great teams, you have to be able to do that. You got to take risks, you got to be able to get the ball out. And he wasn't able to do that. What did you see from the game? I'll let you talk about it for a minute. We'll talk about some numbers. We'll talk about last year's game and and all that good stuff.
1: George dominated the first half. Uh, I think the game would be drastically different had
2: uh, Alabama scored on that first drive. The overthrow to Calvin Ridley completely changed the entire course of this game. Let me ask you a question. Let's say you get the
1: field goal. I think even that changes the course of the game, because you got
2: points on the board. I think, and these, Georgia's not scoring at will. Hell, they only had twelve. Yeah, but at that point, say you've got one field goal to show from your first drive, and then you did absolutely nothing. You were stagnant for the rest of the. Yeah, court, but if your rest, defense rest half,
1: is doing the exact same thing it always does, which is stopping the other team, and they're getting nothing either, then
2: then I think you're well, fine. Well, but that but that's the thing. If it, you didn't stop the other team, right? So. Your defense was starting to get worn out. At that point, say Alabama hits that first field goal, score still 13 to 3 at the half because Georgia just drove it down your throat. Yeah. So it's it's a whole different thing. Here are the numbers there, right? It, it, what you were saying is correct. They hit that one pass to Calvin Ridley that he overthrew. Changes everything. You go into the, you get that one play. We, we never see and, Tua. Right. You you get that one play and you get one stop on third and long that all those draw plays that they ran to Sony Michelle, you get those swapped up and, and Alabama's up seven to three, seven to six, something like that at the half. You probably never see Tua never, but that doesn't mean that a change still wouldn't have been necessary. You know, like that's, that's the thing. Here are the first half numbers in the first half. Alabama had 94 total yards. Georgia had 223. Um, rushing yards. Georgia had 97 to Alabama 73. Georgia had 126 yards passing to 21 for Alabama. Jalen Hurts was only 3 of 8 for 21 yards passing. Um the biggest thing is Bama had four first downs. Georgia had 16 in the first half. Total plays, Alabama had 24, Georgia had 47. Yep. Time of possession? I mean, it, it was just insane. Georgia had the ball for 20 minutes in the first half. Alabama had it for 10. They doubled up everything. Second half, completely different story. Total yards, Alabama had 277 in the second half. To Georgia's 142, 80 of that came on one play. On a third down deep pass that was just an absolute perfect throw from Jake Fromm. You you cannot throw the football better than he did in that spot. And... And then, of course, you've got a, a broken tackle on the sideline where he tipped it. Have you ever seen – I'm sure we have, but my God, his ankle – or the, the heel was so close to that out-of-bound line, I, I have never – Well, did you see the out-of-bound
1: line from a big picture when the camera was straight down the line? Yeah, yeah. It is. Walk. It looks like a drunk driver – Drew that line. Yes. So I think he's in or out depending on where he hits that line. It's crazy. There are crazy. other parts where he would have been in by four inches. Yeah. And then there are another part where he'd have been out by two. It's The whole thing was nuts. So so that has to – this is the national championship. College football has to make sure the damn line has to be straight.
2: Yes. Like that's – That that blew my mind. That was crazy. So the whole thing was, was bonkers. Uh, but from there, total yards, 277 to 142 for Georgia. Um, passing yards, Bama had 166 in the second half compared to only 21 that they had in the first half. And Georgia had 106 passing yards. That means they only had 46 yards in their other passes. They had one that went 80 yeah. and then 46 for the other ones. There were five of nine passing in the second half. Um they only ran thirty plays. Georgia did. In the Georgia's half. offense completely folded in the second half. They, I couldn't understand
1: anything that they were trying to do. They, they, they got way too cute. They had this lead, and they thought that they could kind of do anything. And all they wanted to do, it looked like, was just burn clock. And and I, I thought that was a little ridiculous.
2: I I thought the same thing. I, I mean, I
1: really, I really feel like their offense. And and not well, I just think, the players. I think Kirby knew. I, I think I think play calling
2: was just really erratic. It, it was it, the problem was like when you saw momentum shift when when Tua came in, they went three and out. Georgia, you know, drove a little bit, but then had to punt back. When Alabama scored that touchdown, and it became a six point game, they tightened up. Oh, they yeah. They immediately tightened up. Now, it, of course. They came down. They threw that eighty-yard touchdown pass. They're up twenty to seven at that point, but the momentum shift had already had already happened. And I mean, it, there were so many crazy plays in this game. Tua's interception that was supposed to be a run. I mean, the the wide receivers were never even looking at the football. I, I was texting you this during the game. That was supposed to be a run pass option that was never going to be a pass. They were all downfield blocking, and. It looked like he was trying to just throw it, like, out of bounds. or, or so I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was looking at. Um, But then, I mean, my God, Alabama's defensive line comes in and absolutely saves the day because that – the bounce off the helmet. I don't know what Fromm was doing either. It, no. Just take the sack. Yeah, just, just eat something, the ball. Something. Just anything Why are you, but
1: – He was getting slung around. Why are you trying to throw the football?
2: Back to the numbers – 47 total plays for Alabama to 30 for Georgia in the second half. 16 first downs for Alabama to only 6 for Georgia. And then time of possession completely shifted, right? Uh, time of possession in the first half was 20 minutes to 10 minutes. Second half, Alabama held it for 15 minutes and 40 seconds to Georgia's fourteen twenty. When you When your defense can sit on the sideline, even for just, just 5 minutes bit. longer, yeah. You see the difference that it makes. I mean, it's the the Alabama defense in the second half was, I, I won't say dominating, they were aggressive. They looked like a Jeremy Pruitt defense that you're used to seeing. And everything changed because you actually had a threat that could throw the football. Because once, once he completed a few of those deep passes, safeties were out of the box linebackers were backing up off the box a little bit, you could run the football. Najee Harris didn't run the football in the first half. He had 64 yards rushing in the second half. And most of that was in the fourth quarter. Like, in all honesty, what won this game for Alabama was freshmen. Just bottom line. Najee Harris, Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Tua tonga Alex Leatherwood came in because Jonah Williams are starting left tackle for the last two years. And he was all freshman SEC, All-America, whatever. Last year, he had played and started every game this year. He gets hurt in the middle of the third quarter. Oh, nope, sorry, middle of the fourth quarter. Alex Leatherwood comes in, and it's like the same thing. Looks All-American. Nobody's getting around that kid. And the, the issue that Alabama's going to have in the future, and we'll talk about this later on, is the secondary. They've only got three guys coming back with experience. No starters. Like, it's, it may be tough sledding kind of early because they got to play Louisville in the first game. But we'll, we'll get to that. I, I do want to read this quote um, that the New York Times got from Brian Dable. Uh, it says, The Alabama offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, has a certain way of looking at the throwing accuracy of quarterbacks. All of them can drop back seven steps and hit a house with the ball. Some of them can even hit the door. A few can even hit the doorknob. Dable said Tua can hit the keyhole. Were you as impressed as I was
1: I watching mean, this football
0: game?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought he played way above his means. I thought you know this kid's this is not too big of a of an arena for him.
2: It's game day, baby. Wake I, up I thought he was out. absolutely ready ready for the game. He I honestly. Yeah. Looking back at at what you and I have talked about for years and years, I could not have been more right. And and I know that that sucks and nobody likes to be the whole like I told you so, but God, you weren't the only person that I got it from that was like dude, you got a quarterback that's 26 and 2 or whatever and I said I understand that. I got all that. I'm saying what Tua is capable of, like Tua's ceiling is way up here and Jalen's is about right here. You know what you're getting with Jalen Hurts. You know exactly what you're getting. No mistakes. No, no but here's big plays. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like a, whoa, whoa. Let me jump in here for a minute, okay?
1: All of this is predicated on I also know who your coach is.
2: Yes, and, I, and
1: I Nick Saban has never had a great quarterback that was a gunslinger that could throw it. You know why? Because he doesn't want one.
2: Agreed. He doesn't want somebody. That's the Blake Barnett issue last year, right? So, Barnett turned the football over way too much. And that's probably why Tua did not start this year. Turned the football over in practice way too much. So, he, he played maybe 25% he, of the time. Jalen played 75% Tua of the time Tua gives you this a season. dynamic
1: that nobody else does. But he also is the only one that can make a mistake that will cost you a game. Jalen won't ever do that.
2: Agreed. That's, Agreed. That's it. And but the that, way and Nick,
1: hang on. In the way Nick Saban has been his entire coaching career is we're going to play great on special teams. We're going to play great on defense. We're going to run the ball great. And as long as I don't have a quarterback to lose me a game, I'm fine. Yeah, and that's why he's been his entire career. So everybody telling you this knows what you're thinking is not wrong. But we also know the man that, that has that, been that the coaches. model of conservative football for, for offense his entire career, and he's won more championships than anybody in the history of this game. Why would he divert from that? And why would anybody on the outside
2: looking in think that he would divert from that? The only reason I feel like he diverted from it this go-round— is because of the Clemson game last year. See, I disagree.
1: Give me your take on it first. I think Brian Dable went into halftime. Going into halftime, Brian said, before they got into that locker room, before Nick talked about it on camera when he was asked the question at halftime, I think Dable told him, this is the offense we're going to have unless you make me change. Unless you allow me to change. Yeah. Brian has been around the greatest quarterback to ever lace them up. He knows what he's talking about.
2: Well, he also knows what the limitations are yes. with, with the talent yes. that he has there the is field.
1: a There is a risk-reward on offense that, yes, we might turn the ball over two or three times, but if we score four more touchdowns than we normally score, the turnover doesn't matter. It adds up on the end, and we still have a defense to say all those turnovers won't turn into touchdowns. Yeah, so... If, if half of them turn into touchdowns and we score four more than we normally do, then we beat them by two touchdowns more than we normally would have beat them by. That's how the math works. Dable knows that. He's been in the New England organization long enough. He's worked under Josh McDaniels, who's probably one of the most creative offensive coordinators in the game, and he's worked under the quarterback of Tom Brady. He knows what he's doing. I'm not saying yes. two is going to be the next Tom Brady, but
2: I think – I think Nick. He has the talent to be able I to do Nick things. I think Nick has like
1: an that. offensive coordinator that is strong enough of a coordinator to stand up to Nick and tell him, "Yeah, with all due respect, if you want to win your sixth national championship, you'll listen to me." Yeah. And you'll let me do this. Because it wasn't it's, just it's that, truth. It wasn't just that they switched to Tua. They switched to Tua and they took the gloves off. They took the training wheels off and they let Dable call whatever he wanted.
2: Oh, and it, it and was this and some of it looking. was a little shaky looking. That's right. You're gonna get
1: that. This and is also the first time Dable, as an offensive play caller has had the freedom and flexibility to stretch his legs too. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So he's got some little gate. Well, let me see what this kid can do. Not just with Tua. Let me see what these receivers can do. I don't know what these running backs can do. Well, no, with that's the, ball the thing. In, their in hand, practice, we've never done
2: it. In practice, you see it. And that's that's the funny thing is. People that work down there, managers and everybody, people that are at practice, know, right? So like some of the the football managers, um, the guys that hold the football yeah. that that replace the balls with the officials and all that, yeah. were on the sideline with Clay Travis, and Clay asked them because this was you know into the ball game, getting ready to you know this is before overtime, but they said you know what do you think of the flying Hawaiian? And Clay said. Like, is is he like this all the time? Like, does he do this in practice? They said, he's been doing this since he got on campus. Like, a lot of us don't understand why he hadn't been playing. Yeah. But, obviously, the reason that he hasn't been playing is because Nick doesn't want, he doesn't trust him. He didn't trust him at the end of the game to kneel the ball in the right place. Exactly. Well, because he took so long. Like, it, the the play should have, it, it should have been our play, right? It wasn't supposed to be a kneel. There was enough time on the clock. Yeah that you were going to run another play, and he took so damn long to get up to the line of scrimmage, there were six seconds left. Yep. So, And you've got timeouts and whatnot, but good Lord. Like, it, it was it, it was and, very frustrating and then to Nick, watch. Nick
1: even admitted, you know, I wanted to call timeout after the sack.
2: And yeah, wanted, in overtime.
1: And I wanted to pull him. And Dable just kept looking straight. And he yep. just sent in another play call, and he just ignored He let Nick yell, and he just did his job. He just sent it. That's the old Patriot motto. Yeah. He just just focused on what he had to do, got chewed out, sent in another play, bam, the rest is over. Yeah. Had Nick got to do what Nick wanted to do, he'd have pulled him, put Jalen back in, your kicker would have probably missed the field goal and you lose the national championship. Exactly. And nobody would have questioned Nick. No. Nobody would have questioned Nick because he's up on his high horse. I think he needs to understand, I need to let my guys do what they do. And and it's taken a long time for him to get to this point. It's hard to tell a guy that's got six national championships. You're doing it wrong. It's not that he's doing it wrong, but at some point you gotta let these guys. They're good at what they. Lane Lane was great at what he did. I don't think Lane would have ever taken a head coaching job had Nick not treated him like a piece of crap. But you treat him like the whipping boy all year, and Lane's like, "Screw this, man! I'm I'm going down to the beach." That's hey, I I I don't
2: blame him for one second for going down to the beach.
1: But you know what I'm saying? Like, I but don't I know, know exactly what you're saying. I don't saying, know man. that he's ever looking for that job if if he's treated better. You're probably right. And he, and he has some sort of, and I know this is going to come across like some millennial needs, you know, special treatment deal. But the dude's earned it. Yeah. And I think Dable's done it. I mean, we had the conversation. Oh, 100%. Before we started, me, you, and your dad, is Dable one and done? Because like it's it's, 100%, is he going back to the NFL? It's a hundred percent given that Josh McDaniels is going to get a coaching job somewhere else. Is is Bill going to call and say, "Hey, I, I, you know, good work down there. Get your ass back up here."
2: So at that point, you and I will have the discussion on on another podcast in the future. Once once the Patriots' run is over in yeah, the playoffs, on. we'll talk about whether or not Dable would take two years of Tua.
1: Or the and, last, and
2: possibly the last two years
1: of Nick Saban. That, that, yeah. Um, oh no, or, no, that's bunk. That's bunk.
2: He's sixty-six years old.
1: Yeah. Maybe.
2: You oh, know, okay. I mean, he's All he's right. only got after this year, he's got four years left on his contract.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right. You know? or do you are you take maybe what could be the last two years of Tom?
2: Exactly. So Tom is already forty. That's an insane position to be in. If I'm Dable. I I think I look at the
1: paychecks. (laughs) Oh, I think both of them are going to pay you. I don't think you're worried about that. The difference is, is you're going to, your money's going to go farther in Tuscaloosa. You are 100% right about that. Because the cost of living in, in Connecticut or Boston. Well, but they, Foxborough's in Connecticut. Yeah. That's a little different.
2: Yeah, you're right about that. Um, all right, so so like we said, uh, if Jalen Hurts hits Calvin Ridley for the gimme touchdown in the first half and, and the defense stops it's a different game. Now Bama yeah, the whole might thing still is still
1: run that game. Like, I mean, they could have taken momentum from that touchdown and shut Georgia down and whatever.
2: Um There's no telling what could have yeah, happened.
1: Yeah, we we can't predict how it would have affected everything else. But I'll tell you this if that happens, we never see Tua.
2: Tua transfers and it's over. Let's uh let's talk about this. Um, Alabama defensive line coach Carl Dunbar sat down his backpack at their hotel uh, in a meeting room on Saturday. This was two days before the title game. And he thought it'd be safe there. It's a meeting room. The coaches use it. It's supposed to be on lockdown. All that good stuff. Somebody walks in and steals that giant with his playbook, uh, passport, cash, laptop, phone, all this two days before the national championship. Somebody out there has Alabama's entire defensive playbook right now. Is it possible somebody from Georgia stole it? No. <laughs> is this Wakey leaks happening again? No,
1: no. This is this is Atlanta,
2: man. Oh, yeah. You're right about that. You can't just leave something laying around and well, it not get thing. picked. There were, there were other backpacks there, the ones that did not have the playbook in it. That's, that's what makes the story crazy because – I there was a bunch what of the stuff other there. ones had in them though. That's see, Because if knows? you
1: open it up, no one's caring about the playbook. You open it up, you see cash, you grab the bag. Yeah, cash. Because you don't start laptop, going through it. You iPhone. just glance in, you see if it's stuff of value, you walk. Yeah. You grab it and you walk.
2: I I agree with you. I mean, it's Atlanta. That's, so let
1: me ask you what what happens to that guy? Does Nick hit him?
2: Carl Dunbar? Does he get hit? No, because every, like you can't just keep You know, you can't just keep hitting people. Well, one, you can't just keep hitting people, but two, you can't. Don't tell Nick that. Nick doesn't keep a backpack with his playbook on him at all times. Like, he sets that stuff down at some point. The room was supposed to be on lockdown, like, nobody else's crap got stolen from in there. Like, somebody had to have a way in. I think, I think way Alabama
1: out. people are being pretty reckless with valuable information. Yeah, you got that right. Last podcast, we talked about how they let Kirby Smart into the recruiting room with all their information about all their kids. And now this got stolen, just a guy laying his stuff around. Did, did
2: you find it funny that Jake Fromm was the uh, was the guy that was committed to Alabama that ended up flipping to Georgia? I don't think it would have mattered because, I, like, look, it was either Tua or Jake Fromm. Yeah. And I think that's more what it was that Tua was going to Alabama. So Fromm said, "Well, hell, I'm never going to play then. Like I'm going to go to Georgia.
1: I'm never going to play. Let me go play where Jacob Easton is. And he just came off one of the best seasons he's ever had." Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Nah, uh, you may be right. Well, but that see that which way is it then? No, no, neither one of them makes sense. It's stupid. It's stupid. He Which, went to the person who paid him the most, Gary. <laughs> we're gonna stop. You can't laugh at that. We're gonna I know, stop. I know. I know. We've been talking about. We're that. not gonna act like this stuff doesn't happen. No, I, I
2: agree. I all agree. of these campuses are beautiful. Well, not to mention all the fact that all these places he,
1: are great places he to lives, live for four years. He
2: lives a hundred miles from Atlanta. Nobody so. wants
1: to go to school where they live, though, man. Everybody, every eighteen-year-old every wants to get as far away from home as possible. I don't think unless, every one of them. unless there's a girl involved. He does have a girlfriend. Well, that, that, was, that may be it. That's stupid. If you're the, <laughs> if you're the <laughs> freshman quarterback that just played the national championship and you're 18 years old, you don't need to have a girlfriend.
2: You need like 10 Nine. Yeah. It's <laughs> just, just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs>
1: this, is, this, is, this kid just doesn't
2: understand what he's doing in life. You goofy kids, man, I swear. All right, so Alabama wins 26-23 on a walk-off dagger from Tua. Before we change the subject, All right. man,
1: can, can I call you – I don't want to be disrespectful. Uh, no, be disrespectful. It's, but, it's but good you, for radio. You, you you, crossed a line that made me pretty upset. I didn't respond to you after you sent this text. Which which part for was it? For two
2: days. Which part was it?
1: It is the fourth quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter. Okay. Y'all are down by 10. You're down by 10, and you send me a text that says, I know that we're going to lose this game, but I just want to see how well Tua plays in the fourth quarter. Okay, I I find that to be such garbage.
0: I love you. How love how you. is this
1: garbage? I think that's garbage for so, you to give on. up on your team for, down ten with an entire quarter that hadn't even started to play. You're gonna automatically let, let me... chalk it up as a loss, and then when you win, you act like I knew it all
2: along. No, no, no. I I I never said that I knew they were gonna win. I think that's partly the what made The text after it, that said this game went exactly the way I thought it would. So, no, no, I said, I said I could not have been more right about Tua. Okay. And, and, I, and from what I have been saying all year, okay. I was dead on on that. I believe this. But I'll, I, I'll tell you this. I believe this. I didn't I give up on the we team. We as
1: fans have a part to play in these things. Okay. And my team down 10 with the whole fourth quarter left. I am doing everything in my power to help them win the game, and I got that text, and I thought, this sorry bastard. That text
2: was right after Tua threw that interception, wasn't it?
1: No, it was. It was. They were starting the fourth quarter. It was the time between the third quarter. And oh, that's the fourth right. That's quarter. right. It they was twenty to seven commercial break.
2: That's right because Georgia. Had no, it actually, was twenty
1: to ten. You yeah, were down. I by know. 10. I know.
2: That's. I'm saying when when Tua threw the interception, it was twenty to seven. Yeah. So if if Georgia doesn't throw an interception right back. I mean they they take control of the ball game there. absolutely because they're already in scoring position. Like they were already in field goal range. I didn't like but it. But either way, um no, the whole thing there I try my best to be as objective You had already tried and, to do the reverse jinx at halftime.
1: And I kind of get that. Wait, which which
2: text was that? I don't remember. The was one, one of I them thought saying that we're going to lose the game. The one I I I thought we'd be what well, at halftime, I good the, Lord. I, well, I didn't. I didn't. Look, we kept texting <laughs> after that. I
1: responded. We had a conversation. I told you you're doing the reverse jinx. I don't want to hear it. I've seen this show before. The, the uh, I got an I,
2: Alabama screw job just coming. As the, the the one that I thought you'd be the most irritated with, because you you were sending me texts about, and I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what all it was, uh, but I sent one after two. or threw that first touchdown, and I was like. How's that D taste? Yep. And I thought that that would be the one oh, that got God, you. Oh, no. no. But, but you immediately sent one back as as after throws two of three. In, and then George throws one right back. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah.
1: But no, no, I could take some crap talking back and forth. That but doesn't the, bother me. It, you had emotionally given up on your team.
2: And oh, I, I never emotionally. Like, I think I felt, logically well, I felt like I – and I, I don't – I'm not going to say that I ever gave up on the team. Uh, the text message sounded, to you. That sounded pretty giving up-ish. Ask all the people at, at the and house. Then, and then you I didn't was...
1: text me again the whole night until you won the game. No. Yes, I got the damn text. I saved it all. But What what did I text you? You text me that you quit, that, they, they, that they're not going to win. You just want to see Tua do well. Then I didn't respond. I didn't respond. I didn't respond. The game ended and you text me that uh, I was totally right about this, I knew it all along, and then you text me, I love you, brother, uh, whatever, yada, 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 some other. Oh,
2: here right. we go, here we go. All right, no, 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 We so we talked after that. Uh, let's see, I said, is going to win this game, but I'm going to at least enjoy seeing what, uh, what we're going to do with Tua. That's it. And then he said, uh, I said, damn, right. man, there's so many freshmen on the field right now. Uh there was a certain play where I said I'd have run Najee Harris up the middle and if he didn't get the first, kick the field goal, get it seven. So that was uh that was when it was twenty to ten. And and then they kicked off that uh Makai Brown, the one that punched the Georgia player and then went after the uh the staff guy, uh who I found out was the director of player personnel for Alabama. So not an assistant coach, but you know, staffer, whatever. Either way, that whole thing was ridiculous. Um so, I said, uh, I said, so, Saban let that kid play again. You said, I That's saw the that. the only time I responded. You said, that shocked me. Did you see him go after the coach, too? I said, wasn't a coach, but yes. Yeah. And you said, who was it? He looked pretty official. I said, no idea. Uh, I'm seeing he's a manager of some sort. Uh, clothes showed what he was, though. And then uh, then I said, Kyle said uh, about number 48 about Makai Brown, uh, Makai might murder somebody tonight. Kids got roid rage. So, no response from you. No. Nope. Nope. And that was at – at, well, let's see. At ten thirty-five, at eleven fifteen, I texted you best game I've ever seen, and then I said uh, Tua for life. We're gonna have fun on the podcast this week. Love you, buddy. This was fun. And then I said, just for the record, I could not have been more right about Tua. Yep. But I didn't know that that was the thing that got you all fired up about saying George is gonna win the game. You just quit on your team, man. Quit I quit on your team. I wouldn't say that I quit on the I, team. I would have never.
1: I have. I was. Da- I, I watched the Patriot Super Bowl with only two other people that I trust with my life that are not related to me. Those people aren't allowed to watch it with me. And they were down (laughs) 28 to three. And at no point in time, did I feel good, but at no point in time would I have ever said, I know they're going to lose, but, or I think they're going to lose at no point. I would have acknowledged it. And there is a seat change, a shirt change, got to get a drink, I have to do everything in my power to make
2: this thing happen. How do you... All right, so so let's talk about uh, superstition and whatnot. Okay. Um, all right, so I will admit there are, like, when we have a good play, I'm checking out to see, like, all right, where is my Dasani bottle? Like, where's my Copenhagen bottle? Where did I keep my beer? Where, like, you know, where did I keep everything? So when other big plays pop up, I've got everything in the same spot. So, like, oh, crap, I've already drank all my beer. My beer was three-fourths of the way full the last time, so I had to run back to... I, I drank I'm eight not, beers during I'm this not ball i not that game. crazy. And so, but that's... And, and see, it has become... I'm going to tell you a story right quick. All right, so back in 2003, uh, my mom and dad were separated at the time, uh, and this was like a short time. Uh, but mom and I, like, I was in college. Um, I lived with my mom in an apartment. And... Alabama was having a, a pretty good basketball season. And I swear to you, I was beyond superstitious at this point because I had started to realize the only times that the basketball team would lose was when my or my mother was there with me watching the game. So Alabama's playing Mississippi State, who at the time was number four in the country. And they were up by like 12 points. And my mom had been out like shopping or whatever she got back in the second half and I swear to God as she walks in the door and state goes on a nine nothing run and they cut the lead to 3 and there's like 2 minutes left in this ball game and I tell mom you got to go you got to go back outside I don't I don't care what you do you just got to go back outside for a little bit she's like I am not going out I said we can talk about it later but I just want to test this and see what's up like just please for the love of god Go outside for a little bit. I swear to you, she goes outside for the last two minutes of the ball game. Alabama wins the game by like ten, and from that point forward, it was like you can't be here when we got a big game. And that was the year Alabama made like their only elite eight run and all that kind of mess. And I mean, it was just nuts. We, but I have been insane for a long time. I feel like I shouldn't be saying this on this podcast. No, you can. But no, we actually should have
1: a podcast where we have friends call in and talk about this. This is a thing, okay? Your buddy Brad played football at Alabama. All right, I, I would call him our buddy. I'd like to call him my yeah, buddy if that's no, okay. It's a, yeah, absolutely. And and he played football at Alabama, and he totally believes it's the team that prepared the most and worked the hardest, and the players concentrated. <laughs> and he has no clue because he played what it takes to be a fan and how we control the outcome of these games. <laughs> I, I have a friend of mine, we're going really long about something that's stupid, but but anyway, the fact that you quit on your team, it, to me, from what I got, bothered me, and, and and I started thinking about all the different things that I would be doing if I was in your shoes to make my team win the game. I have a friend oh, of mine. Oh, I was, I was still doing it. I have a friend but, of mine, mine yeah. named Woody who's a diehard Cardinals fan, and there was a playoff game or a World Series game or something where the Cardinals just getting smoked. I couldn't tell you when this was. And he was just like, I can't watch anymore. And he ran to the grocery store that was literally like two blocks from his house. And, you know, somebody was like texting him saying, oh, my God, you see that? Oh, my God, you see that? And he was like, they're coming back. And he was like, yeah. He was like, I can't go home. I can't go home. (laughs) And and not, I'm not exaggerating. He pushed a buggy for the next hour and a half around the super low in East Memphis because he wouldn't go home until they, until the game was over. With Cardinals won the game, I, I, I believe the Cardinals won the game. Ask Woody. Woody believes the Cardinals won the game because he stayed
2: at super low's pushing the buggy around. I look. I can one hundred percent believe it. Look, so I, hey, I, I believe. I'm these not gonna, days. I'm not gonna say by name who it was. I had a friend that actually went to bed when the game was twenty to seven after two or threw the interception. Turned off the TV, went to bed. Didn't realize until the next morning. That Alabama had won the ballgame. Had no idea. No idea. I think the fact that the game looked so completely lost is what made the win that much sweeter for Alabama fans. Because when it's... Even the Clemson game a couple of years... Back and forth. You get so used to winning. Yeah. You know, and, and the Clemson game was never out of hand. Like, even last year. Like, the game was never out of hand. And... You know, you've never had a game where you were just dominated. Like the like the Auburn game this year, dominated. Yeah, at no so, point. In time, and with with all the injuries, in with all this stuff going on, you're thinking, God, they just ain't got it this year. You know, like it's it is what it is. But the way that they came out, like fourth quarter, overtime, third quarter like the whole second half was a completely different game. And and the superstition thing is is real. And I may have sent you that text. But you can ask my wife, and you can ask the other uh, few people that were over here at the house watching the game. I'm telling you, as soon as that game was over, I was. If this person, if I know that person what you are. Once the game tied. is over, oh no, I now was, that you well, got the outcome, no, once, I, once I was it like even that, got close, I was like, like now you're like,
1: oh, it's different. But a ten point line
2: is close. If no, you right. tell
1: me, I could start games off down ten. Like I wouldn't be devastated. Like, I wouldn't be <laughs> upset.
2: Well, gambling—that's what Alabama does all the time.
1: I mean, yeah, it just and they cover. <laughs> so I just—I didn't understand that. And um, I, no, and then look, the second thing—it's so,
2: from a logic, a, a, a logic standpoint, right? Where it's okay, Georgia has been absolutely dominating us, and we've got a freshman quarterback that has thrown a pick and has taken some weird sacks. And yeah, it doesn't matter.
1: Agreed. You know, Ten points Agreed. is nothing. So the second thing, I, I, you are in retrospect my. Um, resident Alabama fan. (laughs) As you
2: are my resident LSU fan. I love it.
1: All right. So we we have a mutual friend. I'm going to say that. Okay. Who's a huge Alabama fan. Might have played there. And immediately after the game, says something on social media that I thought, man, if he couldn't kill me, I'd I'd smack this guy. (laughs) He immediately comes out and says, man, Finally have a quarterback. Oh, I'm sorry. Five national championships later, finally got a quarterback. Boy, I tell you, that's I know. If, if, if for an if, LSU if, fan, I could have pushed you're... him out a window,
2: I would have. That's uh, look.
1: Finally got a damn quarterback. We only got five national championships. We've only been in like eight of them. Heaven forbid we finally have a quarterback. Like
2: you understand. It's a different world for Alabama fans. Like, it, it's, it's crazy, and it, it is uh, completely ridiculous – it is not real life, but I am a
1: fan of a dynasty team
2: in the Patriots. And, right, but it's nothing
1: like this.
2: No, it's not, not even it's completely close. different. But that's what I'm saying. Like the Patriots lose games. That's right. And it's because they play a happens.
1: 16 game season against professional teams. Right. There are. I know we like to think the Bills suck, but there are no Merchers on like, the schedule. It, look,
2: look. The, like, here's no Tennessee Tech. Here's the difference here, right? In, in a little over. A little under three seasons. So, Joel Klatt and Colin Cowherd uh, had a segment after Alabama lost to LSU, or no, uh, after Alabama lost to Ole Miss in the 2015 season, where Joel Klatt and Colin Cowherd both were discussing how the Alabama dynasty is dead, and Nick Saban has turned that Alabama defense, uh, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart had turned that Alabama defense into a Big Ten old, slow defense that in the 40 games prior— they had given up uh, 40 points only one time. They had had 13 shutouts Well, in the last, you know, however many games. Like in the last 14 games, they've given up 40 points four times. And they've done this and that and that And, you know, not saying that they're not going to win a bunch of games, but the dynasty's over and all this kind of crap. And this was literally the week after the Ole Miss game. Since that time period, when everybody declared they were done, I don't know if and you because, get to call Colin
1: Cowherd and his other nutsack everybody. Okay, well, no, it's okay. Those people are two people that live in L.A. Agreed. They're, but they, like, were they have a lot no of concept
2: of the media at that time.
1: Yes, that live in New York and L.A. Right. Which ask, is, which are the ones that me- have the biggest voices? As media you. that lives in Atlanta. Ask media that live in Louisville. Well, or e- in even Texas. then,
2: even then, it, I believe Dan Wolkin was talking about all these guys that actually cover the ACC thought the same thing right because in 2013 uh they weren't doing so hot like they alabama had a great season 2013 but they had gotten beat by auburn and then in 2014 like they gave up 44 points auburn, but they won 55 40 like all oh, this kind of mess they had given up a whole bunch of points right and well if if nick saban doesn't find a way to get this thing turned around but look since that time since they lost to ole miss they've gone 39 and 2 they've won two sec championships They've won two national championships. They've gone 11-2 and two against the AP Top 10. It's absurd. This is not real life. Like, and for Alabama fans that listen to this, it ain't going to be like this forever. Like, enjoy the moments when you get them and try your best not to take this crap for granted because I remember when the three mics coached at Alabama. I remember winning that 92 national championship game. I was nine years old. Yep. 90, uh, yeah, I was just about to turn 10 because it was January 1st, 93. And I thought, this is what it's going to be like forever. Like, we're just going to make national championships. It's going to be fine. But, man, it was forever. It was 17 years until they hired Nick Saban. And from 92 on, we had some good teams, but we also had some really mediocre and some pretty downright bad football teams. Like, they they were never... Awful. They didn't just get wiped the floor with a bunch. I mean, there were a few games. Like, my God, one of the games, uh, we lost to Arkansas like 42-6 to one year. Houston Nuts, Arkansas team. <laughs> Like so, so, I remember the bad times. But these good times, this is all fake. This is not real life. This is not what college football really is. Nope. And when Saban's gone, it, it, look, nobody in the history of college football is going to do what Saban has done at Alabama. No. Nope. Period. Not even close. So it so enjoy the moments while you can. And I'm doing my best to do that, but it's tough. You get a little jaded. You get a little you you get biased think, and you and you're living in a whole different world than other SEC fans that just, just want a damn quarterback that can make a throw and and somebody that can, you know, win games consistently you know, for you, my God, you would have given anything to not lose to Troy. Yep. Because no matter how many SEC wins LSU got for the rest can't, of the year. Can't undo that. You can't wipe that stank off. Nope. It's and here forever. And that's the thing. Like Nick Saban's first year at Alabama. Went 7-6. and six, Lost to Louisiana Monroe. Lost to Florida State. Lost to the Georgia game, the national championship game. First time since his first season that Alabama had been held scoreless. They were in a zero-zero tie against Florida State in Jacksonville back in 2007. Lost the game 21-14. That was one of Bobby Bowden's last games. Yeah. But so, uh,
1: I didn't mean to get us on that tangent. Oh no, no, it's a, two, it, dude, two problems. Trying to talk to two Alabama fans that I know,
2: and I said be, because we live in a whole different world. That's it, totally be it, Being down 13 to nothing uh, with an offense that doesn't look like they can move the ball against air. Like it's,
1: but you weren't against air. You were against a really, a really,
2: good defense. really good, and that's the problem. That
1: linebacker for Georgia, he might be the best defensive player in this draft.
2: I, I agree with that. Like I Raquan would not,
1: Smith. I would not be upset if the Browns took him number one overall Ooh, and used their fourth hold up. I don't know about that. And used their fourth. They have the fourth overall pick too. Tell me I'm, which one of these quarterbacks are going to change the world, Gary. Yeah, but you really think this guy is like number 1 overall I, talent? I, I think he's the best defensive player coming out of this draft and there's no offensive player that just jumps off the page at me.
2: I haven't even looked at at what the I think he's special. I don't I know what he's the NFL real draft stinking like stinking
1: special. Oh, I don't know either. I have no idea where he slotted, man. They might call him like a late first rounder. I have no idea. I'm going to tell you this. I watched him play a lot. That guy's special.
2: Yeah, he he really is. Kirby Smart figured out things to do with that guy. He's all right, we are 45 minutes in. Let's go on and run uh, run the ads right quick. Any time of year is a good time for Winning Cures Everything shirts and apparel. we got logo designs in all sizes and in every SEC school's colors. Take a look at the different options on the website. Go to Winning Cures Everything and click on the store tab and access the official Winning Cures Everything store. This is Gary, host of Winning Cures Everything. If you're looking for affordable custom web design, business cards, brochures, and more, check out Kyle Seegers Designs at KyleSegers.com. Kyle offers full website design, monthly site maintenance, and content management system training. Remember, for all your web design needs, check out KyleSegers.com. That's K Y L E S E G A R S.com.
1: You want it the best online sports book? That's easy. It's mybookie.ag. They've got the easiest website layout, the best odds, amazing customer service, and payouts in only two business days. Check out MyBookie.ag for yourself, and then when you sign up, use promo code WCE50 for 50% deposit bonus. That's MyBookie.ag,
2: promo code WCE50. Gary here. Thanks for listening to the show, and we appreciate your support with the podcast and the website. Here's how to keep up with Winning Cures Everything. Of course, you can see everything at winningcureseverything.com. On Twitter, we're at winningcures, or you can catch up with Chris at Chris Giannini, or myself at Gary W.C.E. You can subscribe to and review the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or any other podcast distributor. We're also at facebook.com slash winningcureseverything, or you can email us at winningcureseverything at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 551-226-9899. Again, email us at winningcureseverything at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 551-226-9899. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk about Steve Insvinger. We don't, we don't have to. <laughs> Ed Orgeron has made his hire as the new or for the new offensive coordinator for LSU. It is longtime staffer, former LSU quarterback from 1976 through 1979, Steve Insminger. He was the interim offensive coordinator. He's been the tight ends coach in Baton Rouge for less miles since 2010. Look, from what I am told, and really what what he said last year. Uh, in the Citrus Bowl, you know, pre game, pre whatever, going up, leading up to it. um, He said he didn't want the offense coordinator position. The deal is he has been in LSU forever. Yes. Coordinators get fired quickly, right? He wants to be able to stay in Baton Rouge. He likes his job there. He loves what he does. Yeah, I've had some pretty good tight ends over the years. He wanted to stay doing that. Ensminger has had all sorts of, of coordinator play calling whatever experience last year you guys broke records in the eight games that he coached 600 something yards like most yards in a game biggest time of possession in a game most rushing yards you know by a player in a game Darius guys had what like 290 something against uh Texas a and I think like scored 60 something points in one game, like just just asinine numbers right He found ways to get playmakers the ball. and Now, the problem is, he scored a goose egg against Alabama. He scored 10 points against Florida. Those are the two biggest games that they played in after Coach O took over and could not get anything done against the two best defenses that you guys played. What does this mean for Orgeron? Because, honestly, after they signed Dave Aranda to that asinine... Ten million dollar over four year deal, like that's two and a half million dollars a year. Aranda's making one million dollar, one million dollars less per season than Coach O is, and along with that, the rumor is that they gave him control to hire his own staff members. Which, imagine giving that ultimatum to Nick Saban or somebody like that, right? Like, staff members are supposed to be the head coach, and and the. Coordinator and whatnot can come in and say, "All right, we want to, we want to bring in so and so." You know, what do you think about that? They'll vet them, and everybody will talk about whatever. At Alabama, Saban does everything. You know, at Ole Miss, Hugh Freeze did everything, etc cetera, et cetera, The head coach is supposed to be in charge of that. They gave Aranda, hey, you want a, a staff member? We got an opening. He's on your side of the ball. That's your thing. You go do It's almost like you got two head coaches. But they went and let uh, Coach O bring in his own offensive coordinator. What, what are they doing? Well, Brandon is
1: not going to pick the offensive coordinator.
2: Agreed. I mean, that would agreed. But so but, yeah, O should be
1: able to pick his own offensive coordinator.
2: But did did O pick Canada last year, or was this like? No,
1: I think Oliva picked Canada. That's
2: what I'm saying, and that that's why they never got along. They never, you know, the idea was, O, you just sit over here and you recruit. That's right. And Canada's going to run the offense. Aranda's going to run the defense. And O couldn't stay out of the offense. He could not. like. And and what you told me earlier, you know what, rehash that a little bit. So,
1: talking to a really good friend of mine who's an Ole Miss fan, but he's been watching football for a long time. He's quite a bit older than me. Really smart guy, very analytical in thinking. He was telling me that don't want to be talked about on here, so I'm not going to give his name out he was telling me that he thought big picture Canada was a bad fit for LSU because the the style of offense Canada runs with all of these crazy shifts, you need a quarterback that is super football smart and highly skilled because it leaves them no time to really adjust to the defense because you can't really get set and and see how the defense is going to react to all the shifts until the shifts stop. And most of the time the shifts stop and you snap the ball. And if the defense it in a way that you weren't prepared for, it's going to blow the play up. That happened quite often. Um, I think Cannon is a really good offensive coordinator. I think for his offense to work, you need a better quality quarterback than anything LSU has. And, and pretty much anything we've ever had historically. Yeah. And when he told me that, I thought, man, I'm not a real big fan of this hire of of Emsinger. But at the same time, like, that makes sense. Canada's trying to do an offense that, that you need a genius to run, and we don't have a genius. We we just don't. Um, we, we don't have great quarterbacks at LSU. We never have, and unless something drastic changes – we're never going to. So, so that, that gave me a little understanding as to why this was a mutual split. Neither one of them wanted it. O didn't want him. Canada didn't want to be there. They just didn't rub well. And I get what O didn't like. O didn't like the fact that as an offensive coordinator, you can't make adjustments when you see the defense. Everybody else in college football that doesn't run this weird shift offense gets to the line of scrimmage. They see what the defense is doing. And then everybody stands up and looks at the sidelines. Yeah. And the coordinator sends a play in. And then they turn and they run the play. But the way it's set up, you don't know how the defense is going to adjust until you finally get set. And that never happens in this weird offense. Um, so so I kind of understand that. That logic makes sense. The Steve hire is it, just it, another Orgeron hire. It's just another... I hope it all works out. I hope that I'm wrong.
2: The numbers that he put up last season, they they do speak well. But I right? don't
1: know how to gauge that, though, Gary. That's no, my I, only and problem. I understand. Like, is that just in? a – All wins are not equal. I, I've been trying to explain this to people when we talk about different stuff. You can look at people's record all you want. Records don't matter. All wins aren't equal. They just aren't. How many of those were against good defenses? How many of those were against teams that quit? Very,
2: very few. That's, and I, 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 I agree problem. with you. I understand.
1: That team was crazy talented offensively except for the, all, the quarterback. I just don't know that we're going to do that week in and week out. He didn't do well against Auburn or against Alabama. He didn't do well against Florida. And he didn't get to play against Auburn. Like, those are the three best defenses we got. So, he ran all over Ole Miss. Well, hell, everybody put up 40 against Ole Miss. True. Oh, so he did well against Arkansas. Jesus, look at everybody playing against Arkansas. Yeah, same
2: thing with Missouri yeah, yeah, and all, Texas A&M yeah, at the like, end of the season. Like, well,
1: well, yes, yeah. everybody scores on these teams.
2: Agreed. Agreed. We, we just
1: didn't used to, but we still won the
2: games. And and last year, you absolutely put up numbers, put up points, all that. And I'm I'm with you. I'm also wondering from a different aspect – was this the cheap hire? Because yes. by God, they have been spending money like crazy. Oh no, they, they're not. they said no,
1: they're not. No, they're not. You're looking at one contract, but look at what we're paying our head coach Ed Orgeron. Aside from Matt Luke, is the cheapest co- co- coach in the SEC.
2: I agree, but hold like, on. It, it, look at it from this way: you you still owe less miles money. Yeah, we're still paying less. You just paid Matt Canada to go away. You just uh, gave but Dave I don't Ar- know what we're paying Canada. It it's, it's like one point seven million. It, it's it not crazy. It ain't, a, it
1: ain't a lot because they both wanted out of
2: the deal. Right. It's it it was like one point seven million. So it's like next year's salary, basically, that's it. because that's what he was making per year. Yeah. Um. So you didn't have to pay him for the final two years. You just had to pay him for one year, and that's fine. Um. But the deal with Ensminger, I would imagine, it's going to be probably like seven hundred fifty thousand. It's going to be cheap. It's going to be cheap, and it's partly because you just gave Dave Aranda. A $2.5 million a year deal. And from this side, you've got somebody that O oh, has already worked with well. That because part of this might be that offensive coordinators are going, Whoa, like we heard what happened with Canada. And, and if you're wanting us to come in and run our offense, that's cool. We'll come in and run it. But like, yeah, but
1: nobody else that's an easy to explain in an interview. Nobody else runs an offense as complicated as Canada's. Agreed. Canada is the Phil Jackson trying to run the triangle, and it works. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. This is not the triangle in twenty seventeen in basketball. Well, see, there's a like, reason, it, and, and
2: I talked to you works. about this before. There's a reason why Canada got fired from NC yeah. State before he went to Pittsburgh. That's right. You, you know, have to have a quarterback
1: that is smart enough to run this offense. Yes, it is not easy to run. I mean, and, it's and, and that's and that's just it. It, it's I, I equate it, and maybe that's a bad analogy, but it's the only thing I've got. I think this is Phil Jackson trying to run the triangle. If you don't have the right players for the triangle, you can't. It, it won't work. It just won't. So no, um, I, I'm I'm with. You. I'm very nervous about. Like I said, I, I do. I think I thought it's for cheap, a second it might it ain't be cheap because they gave Arand a rand to two point five because Les Miles was making six and we had two coordinators that were making well over a million dollars too. You're talking about an eight million dollar coaching budget. Today, we still have like a five six million dollar coaching budget. Agreed. Like we're still way cheaper than we were when we had less. So,
2: yeah, no, you're you're right about that. I, I part of me wondered if maybe this was setting up where if if O failed over the next couple of years, if they were setting this up for Aranda to take over. Like, does. Does LSU's brass like Aranda that much that it would be setting him up maybe to be the next head coach? And, and I could see that. But if it was my decision, if it was
1: my choice, first thing first, Joe Oliva's got to go. That is that is the... You're fired. Absolutely. And in case your ears are
2: f***ed, <laughs> get the f***
1: out! Oliva's, it, that's a gots-to-go situation. I don't trust anything that man does. Not
2: saying that everything he does is wrong. No. Because every now and then everybody can hit on something right. That's right. But I'm I'm with you. And once he's gone, Les Miles would end up back in some capacity, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I actually probably
2: not as head coach. See, but
1: if I had my way, and I got to be the the athletic director, I I would hire Les. I would bring him back. I would apologize for the way Joe Oliva treated him. You would
2: bring back Les Miles yes, as head coach. I absolutely do. You would. think he
1: would take the job? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I could. This is my job as the athletic director. I got to sell him on it. I got to make him take it.
2: I, don't, I mean, it, it would save you a little bit of money because then you wouldn't have to pay the buyout anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I,
1: I don't know that I wouldn't say you can keep the buyout.
2: Well, no, because they're paying the buyout over a certain number of years. That's fine. No, that means but, you're going to get two checks. Good Lord. Whatever it
1: takes. Do you I'd want him that him much? Yeah, I do. And I would I would have him say, hey, you to, you said if you took the Arizona job, you'd take Hugh with you. Get Hugh on the phone. You're the one that originally hired Aranda to begin with. We've got Aranda in here. We're paying him a boatload of money. He's super happy. He's back together with his original boss. Let's go. Let's go beat Alabama. Let's go beat Auburn. Let's go try to win a championship.
2: Would okay, so Ed Orgeron's buyout is eight point five million dollars after this season. I was this say, coming it, season it goes down every year. Yeah. It is six million after the twenty nineteen yeah. season. Is it worth seeing what he can do over two years? It just or or if he goes like five and seven oh, this year, that's it. That's because it. think think about it this way: you, LSU is losing a whole lot of players. Yes, they open up in Arlington against Miami, then they got to go to Auburn in Week Three. Yep. I mean, you're looking at possibly a one and two start there. Oh,
1: oh, and it's not just that, dude. I went over the schedule last night, as and then as you got to go to
2: Tuscaloosa, man. I I mean, think
1: you, I think it's going to be a hard road to hoe. We get Georgia and Florida this year. That sucks. Part of having the set schedule where you have Georgia every year or Florida every year, which means every couple of years, you got both the bastards, okay? And that sucks. uh, The only other team that has that problem in the West is Auburn. Nobody else will ever have to play both of those guys in the same year. So we got both of those guys. Mullins is a substantial upgrade at Florida. I'm not checking off. I don't think that we can win that game. I think that the Ole Miss game is always crazy. Anything can happen. I love the hire at Arkansas. I think that they are a vast improvement from what they were, and I think they're going to be really tough to beat. Jimbo Fisher is not going to go away easily. He just got there. He just got a buku's of money. I don't – I can't Here, tell you – Here's the schedule. Let me... I know what the schedule is. Let me tell you this. It would not <laughs> shock
2: me if we pulled a Tennessee. Let let me go on and, and, and run this. I just want to see what your thoughts are. September first against Miami in Arlington, it's a loss. Loss, right? So zero and one. Southeastern Louisiana, that's we'll a win. win that so one and one. September fifteenth at Auburn, we'll lose that game. All right, so one and two. Then you host Louisiana Tech, we'll win that game. So two and two. You host Ole Miss. Well, let's lay, let, let's well, well, count I'll, that as a win. I'll count
1: it as a win, but that's not chalking it's up. It's not a W's. Gimme, But let let's just say that is a rivalry game.
2: Let's just say Man, that 3 and 2. we play
1: them crazy early.
2: Yeah, we it's always
1: they, play them in either October or, or November.
2: It's yeah, it's really early this go around. Oh geez. Um, that might be good for us. So, yeah, because y'all swap to the same thing that Alabama does. Uh and we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh Ole Miss September 29th, so 3 and 2 if that's a win at Florida. No, we're not beating 3 and 3 hosting Georgia. We're not beating Georgia. 3 and 4. Hosting Mississippi State. We're not being Mississippi State. You don't think with well because they got eighteen guys They've coming got back a and,
1: ton. Of, Mississippi State is going to be scary good next year. Yeah, but it's in Baton
2: Rouge. Doesn't matter. Okay,
1: all right. So, e- so especially if we're three and three going into that game. Well, no, you'll be
2: three and 4 we're because We're three of the, and four. No,
1: we're not. The, the, in Baton Rouge won't mean nothing.
2: That crowd will have turned. Three and five after the Mississippi State win or loss. Excuse me. Uh, a bye week and then. Uh, let's see. Alabama, that'd be Tuscaloosa. Now it says that y'all have got them at home, but something about that doesn't sound right. Well, yeah, we played y'all at Tuscaloosa this year. That's right. That's right. I was thinking of the ten nothing game. All right, so yeah, it'll be in Baton Rouge. Uh, we're, we're gonna lose that game. It all right, so Where are we play three and six at Arkansas. I don't think
1: we're gonna win that game. I think Morris is a really good coach. I think their offense is gonna be awesome.
2: Yeah, but God, their defense is terrible. And, Moore's had that, been, that and I understand it was last
1: year, man. I don't know.
2: I'm going I'm to chalk that one up as a win. You're
1: you're braver than I am. I, I'm going to chalk that don't, as a win. I'm not having a lot of faith right now.
2: I, I think y'all have got a lot more talent than, than Arkansas does. Like, insane more talent. So, let's count that. Four and six. Then uh, you play Rice on November yeah, we'll, 17th. We'll that game. So, five and six. And then at Texas a and Jimbo's first, uh, first big oh, no. LSU game. Yeah, we're
1: not winning that game. We're not, we're not beating them at College Station. The last game of the season.
2: So if you guys go five and seven, let's say five and seven or six and six, one of those swing games not ends up going the other game. way. Say just, just say you go six and six. Just say. Okay. He gets another year if we go to a bowl and win the bowl. It, does he not get a, another year if they have a losing record? Yeah. No. You think they fire? I think they you fire. think eight eight point five million dollars. I think oh yeah. Well, the difference
1: between eight and and hang on? So you're talking about we pay him eight point five million dollars to leave, or we pay him another three point five the next year, and then two point six point five to fire him the year after. It's cheaper to fire him than it is you, to let yeah. him coach another game for dollars you're giving Orgeron.
2: Well, because well no, because the next year, like yes, it'll be nine point five million dollars. If you buy him out the year after that. But it, looking at it from, all right, well, if we pay him 8.5, then you still have to pay a coach. Well, yeah, but if you're talking about getting a real big boy coach
1: come back in, you're looking at $6, $7 million anyway.
2: We're, but the, are they, the, they the going to do that?
1: Yeah, they got to.
2: Would, would they give Joe Oliva the the power to be able no, to do
1: that? No, 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 no. See, this is where you don't understand. None of that can happen. Joe has to go before Ed. Yeah, and that's entirely possible. That's that's the crux of it all. It doesn't I will tell you this, if they're not going to fire Joe, do
2: not fire Ed. Yeah,
1: because we're not going to make a good hire after that. It's not going to happen.
2: Unless they I mean they could Promotive. move Dave Aranda up. I mean, that's the only way that I see this going down because as much it, as
1: I like Aranda, you're talking about a guy with zero head coaching experience.
2: I, hey, I'm with you. But hey, Kirby Smart didn't have any head coaching experience?
1: God, that were two different conversations <laughs> he had 11 years of experience you, under under Nick 11 years under Nick yeah but that hadn't helped anybody else nobody else has had anywhere close to that amount of time all these quote unquote Nick disciples have all been under him for like three years Max, you, you got a that's point that's total to call somebody a disciple that was his offensive coordinator for two years and then went to Colorado State it is just a sham for the word disciple I agree all these people don't come under his tree, all right? You uh,
2: you right about that. We, we've we been going on forever on this. I think that's what happens when we, we don't get to do multiple podcasts in a week. Yeah. Um, We're going to start that. We're going to get to our, our two podcasts a week thing. But let's go and do this NFL stuff. Let's not do that. You don't want to do the let's NFL call it stuff?
1: W, call me tomorrow. Are you going to get a snow day tomorrow? I think we might get snow tomorrow. If you get a snow day tomorrow, I'm not working tomorrow. I'm I'm not gonna be doing shit. Okay. I really don't want to come to your office because parking up there sucks. Unless I can. Park no, no, there no, no,
2: no. We'll we'll call if it because middle like of the day doing it it's in gonna person. be. Nice. I love doing it in person too, but I mean it, I think we're gonna get a snow day, and if we do that, I mean then we can do it tomorrow. We'll just do it tomorrow because I want to touch. I want to
1: actually go over the the playoff games that we haven't talked about because it was. It was a decent playoff week. It was enough to talk about stuff.
2: We couldn't have close on time, though.
1: No, tomorrow.
2: Be Tomorrow's all right. Friday. That's
1: all right. We'll do it early. If you get a snow day, we'll do it early. Okay. Okay. That sounds good to me. Y'all we, have 2 podcasts just... too. <laughs> Whenever you finish this one, know that there's another one coming. Well,
2: I'm, a, I'm a going to put this one up as soon as we get done with it. So, All right. Well, that sounds good to, uh, good to me. Um, man... Are you are you disappointed that Alabama won? No, no, no. I don't have any love affair
1: for Georgia. We've had this conversation. Before. How many players are, is Georgia losing next year?
2: Oh, it's I think a, they're it's losing more bunch. than Alabama. Oh yeah.
1: Somebody told me twenty five. Not starters, obviously, because you only got twenty two starters. Somebody told me they think they're losing twenty five significant playing time players. That seems wrong. That's I that don't might think have been that's an exaggeration. Right. But Georgia might not just be moonwalking into another one of these next year
2: well I, mean, I think they've got a lot of talent they're replacing a lot it's just gonna be young but that's right?
1: that's it though i mean maybe in two years but you can't just say well,
2: no i mean you're you're right anyway so i mean that's that's something i'm trying to look up right now just to see let me tell you who my bet's gonna be to win the east next year
1: you want to take a guess
2: i'm a guess is south carolina south carolina I, I'm, I'm guess really it's
1: high on South Carolina. Marcus Lattimore officially got hired on staff. South Carolina. All right,
2: so so check this out. They've got uh, two senior running backs, a senior fullback, a senior left tackle, a senior wide receiver. Let's see. They got a lot of those juniors are gone. Defense is where it's really hurting. Oh my God. Yep yeah they got a bunch uh, so they've got junior left end uh, senior nose tackle junior right end uh, senior Sam, senior Jack senior oh, they're Mike, losing, they're losing everything. junior Roquan Smith at Will uh, do, not, do not pencil them in the SEC East next year boys oh man, do
1: not do it one sophomore on the whole defense, oh, gone gone Will, Woo. see you in Atlanta my boy See in Atlanta, Georgia, will
2: Georgia does lose a whole lot? I mean, that's insane. See that's him. insane. See, see my boy Will in Atlanta. Will must champ in Atlanta over over all these other ones. Hey, I'm in with it. All right, let me give you a big roll tide. <laughs> Congratulations,
1: my friend. Happy birthday.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. This was fun. You guys go check out Winning Cures Everything here. Listen to uh, listen to how to catch up with us. We'll catch you on the next one. Remember check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Winning Cures Everything. You can follow us on Twitter at Winning Cures. You can follow myself at GaryWCE.
1: You follow me at crisp B Gianini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I.
2: You can also email the show that's Winning Cures Everything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line.